podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Just want to give a quick shout out to our Patreon that we started. You can head over there now. It is live. We already have patrons. We have three tiers over there. The first tier is just, um, you know, it's called the Bonehead tier. And it's basically if you like us and you love listening to us, uh, subscribe for two, two bucks a month, just a cup of coffee a month about. Uh, that would help us fund this show. It's going to help us get better. Um, pretty much in all aspects. If you want extra content, we do have two more tiers. Bonehead Plus is the next one. That's four bucks a month. That tier gets you an extra episode a month. That's 12 episodes a year and a new logo koozie. And then the final tier is one of the boys. This one gets you a lot of stuff. This tier gets an extra episode a month. That's 12 a year, a new logo koozie, an exclusive t-shirt, you know, only for you, and a guest appearance on the show. You can come on the show, hang out with Scott and I, um, and help us out with one of our segments. So if not, you know, no big deal. We're still going to make the show regularly, uh, but we'd love if you go help us out. Thank you. Bye. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Ooh, Bosco's boys. Come on, boys. Travis Tannehill is back. For the third time, it's the official football preview show. You're a recurring guest, but you've already probably gotten your koozies. Yeah, did I mail those to you? Yes. Recurring guest koozies? Yes, okay. I believe so. I have, I have a handful of koozies from you guys. It's hard <laughs> to keep them all straight, but they go in the drawer and get used well, every other week or so. Every so other week. They're my so. go-to koozie at the house. Hey, that's perfect. We love to hear it. And we want your go-to online book to be my bookie. Use promo code BOYS for a deposit bonus. So that way you can gamble on sports illegally because Kansas hasn't legalized it. Use SeatGeek. Use promo code ACAA. 20 bucks off a ticket. There you go. Yeah. Get some those, are, those are our sponsors. Uh, money for hot dogs or a beer. Yeah. Fancy. And you can just keep changing your email address and keep doing oh, yeah. it over and over. <laughs> that, that actually has it's, not been in. Like, I've done it twice. It's no, nice. so have I. It's not officially endorsed by my or by SeatGeek, but <laughs> no. we tell our listeners just keep creating new email addresses. You can keep using the promo code. All right, so, let's just go. jump into it because <laughs> yep. I have a feeling this one's going to be a little bit longer. Yep, let's jump into Perfect. it. So I'll take I'll off. take us off, Travis. Last season, it didn't really go the way any of us wanted it to. Um, why did it turn south and never really turn around to get the ex- expectations and hopes that K-State fans had last season? Well, I think, I mean, you look at, I mean, all teams in, throughout the whole entire country and also Coach Snyder, Coach Snyder teams especially, I mean, they always found a way to overachieve. I mean, honestly, from a talent standpoint, we were probably right around that 500 mark, um, which is what we ended up right around. Um, but – for the last two decades, Coach Snyder's found a way to pull out two or three wins out of nowhere. <laughs> um, and so he just wasn't able to do that last year. And whether that was from a, you know, we, we heard some rumors of some internal conflict and, you know, the quarterback co- quarterback controversy, controversy, um, you know, injuries. But, you know, injuries, I don't like – that's never an excuse because every team deals with injuries. So, um, you know, there's always a handful of specific plays, specific quarters, specific games. You can go back and say, man, if we just would have done this, would have done this – we might have found ourselves as a 7-8 win team. Um, unfortunately, every single team in the conference can do that. So uh, it just really is just one of those things where 
Coach Snyder's teams have always found a way to do it, and for that specific season, um, they just came up on the short end on those close games. So we all know what happens after the season. We lose to Iowa State, which was my own personal hell. <laughs> um, I would rather, you know, live through a lot of stuff. I would, I, there's a lot of stuff I'd prefer to live through than losing to Iowa State. In a way, though, it that was moment fun. was fun and enjoyable. Not yeah. losing, but, like, just the, the combination the, of everything coming down and, and the realization of us knowing that we are Iowa stating ourselves was pretty great. Yeah, that, I thought we handled it pretty well. That is true. Oh, K-State fans handled it well, but I would honestly, I, ugh, I just, I don't like Iowa State. I don't like losing to them. What well, is there? Is there a oh. extra motivation for you to hate? I mean, obviously, it's I mean, Twitter fans. Okay, on social media, they yes. are hard fans to yes. deal with. I will it, admit that. If I, if I if Twitter wasn't a thing, I wouldn't think twice about Iowa State like at all. Okay, sounds good. But I just didn't I, know if there was some other underlying no, childhood memory that you were no, referring no. back to. I actually, you know, for the longest time, I was just like, you know, Iowa State, you know, they're not that bad, whatever. But then Twitter happened and just their fans. And I remember one time, and I'm sorry, I'm going on this weird tangent. I was sitting in an accounting for uh, financial reporting class in Calvin Hall. And I got in a Twitter fight. I completely didn't pay attention in class all day. Was fighting okay. with Iowa State fans on Twitter for 50 minutes because all they were saying is, oh, we lead the all-time series. Oh, we've won more games. Oh, K-State was the worst. Blah, 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 blah. And at that point, we had beat them like eight years in a row yeah. in like 12 out of the last 15. And I'm just like, you've never won any. Yeah. So from that moment on, I'm just like, screw oh, yeah. these guys. They're the worst. So that's, you know. Yeah. Well, it's a, fun, it's a fun team to have a little extra rivalry with just because we're usually pretty in the same ballpark competitiveness-wise. And so, you know, it's tough to – you know, sometimes I get a little tired of the KU rivalry just from a football standpoint. It's like we haven't had a competitive game in a long time. So Last year was a, too competitive. Right, exactly. Me. Exactly. Yeah, so. I mean, I feel like it stems for me two things. One being obviously the Twitter – the Twitterverse and how just ridiculous they are in there. I had like a long thread one time where they were like, I was getting it from all angles, talk them talking about how they are better historically than us, and it's like they've literally achieved nothing. They've won nothing. I mean, and we were elite for ten years. I mean, oh, yeah. twenty. I mean, the last thirty years. That is, sure, everybody knows futility. You blah blah blah. Yeah. That's so boring at this point. But hey, FYI, the last thirty years counts as our history, yeah. and we've achieved. Exponentially Which is all of our lifetimes here. So. Exponentially, <laughs> yeah. exponentially more than they've achieved in their entire history as a program. Yeah. And two, the last decade we've had some extremely entertaining games. So it's just been it's yeah it's built on that. Sports before I was born, like they don't matter. Oh, so. people, it, it just doesn't exactly. exist. It doesn't exist. It, like people, sports started in 1990. Exactly. People <laughs> try to like give the same amount of weight to a game that was played before World War One as they do as the game that played last year. I don't care if KU or Iowa State have the all-time record. In my lifetime, you guys have beat me, like, less than I can count on my fingers. Like, yeah. get over yourself. But And also, we, just okay. one more quick thing. You're fine. I love it. <laughs> to build on them. that, like, if us three are sitting here and we're talking about games from 2002, then we're a bunch of chumps because we need to move on ourselves. Like, if you're pimping out, like, your record as K-State, like, oh, we used to be so good. Like, that's meaningless. It's today. Yep, exactly. Ten years ago, I guess, shit, that's almost like, that's almost, that's 16 years ago. 2009, or no, 2009 that's, is 10 years ago. I mean, at that point, it might as well be before 16, you're born. 16, 17 right? years, yeah. Like, who cares about the, yeah. the late 90s, early 2000s? We can all love them and enjoy them, but that's pretty much irrelevant at this point. Yep. So, let's move on. It's time to build our, our new juggernaut. 
program. Before we do that, let's go back in the past again because okay. I have to ask. <laughs> good, good diatribe, but we we have one more past question. So the season went how we all knew it would, but from I think you're the first former player we have asked this question to. What were your thoughts as that season ended and Bill Snyder finally retired? Did you think he was going to, or were you ultimately surprised when you know the tweets started happening like, hey, you know, it's it's over. He, he's uh, stepping down. Well, from a, I mean, I, honestly, I thought he was going to retire after my senior year in 2000, I was in 12. I thought that off season he would have retired. Um, and really every season since then, I was like, well, this is, this is the year. And it just kind of never happened. So, um, and then after about three or four years of that, I was like, all right, he's just going to keep on going. So there's none of this leaving on a high note or, you know, leaving a great team behind. Um, he was just going to keep it going as long as he could. So, um, but no, I mean, we could, you could definitely see the writing on the wall this last season. There was more conflict. There was more, um, drama, more stress, more off the field, you know, not guys getting in trouble, but just the media and Kansas people and football fans in general were talking a lot more about Kansas state football, not talking about football. They were talking about everything else that goes on with the program. So, um, no, I wasn't surprised at all. I mean, I was, I think it was needed, unfortunately. And, and that's, you know, I would have loved to see him be able to coach at a high level for as long as he wanted to. Um, but it's just at the end of the day in business, in coaching and everything once you hit a certain age young people just don't relate to you well enough it's hard to get assistant coaches there because you're basically on a year-to-year contract I mean what elite assist what elite offensive or defensive coordinator is going to come sign for a one a one-year contract basically a year-to-year contract that's just not a good um, career decision and it's hard for your family and so the moment he was unable to recruit those assistant coaches and um, you know, we saw the recruiting classes just keep getting a little bit worse and a little bit worse. Um, I think that was kind of, you know, the end was in sight. And um, thankfully for, for us and, and, and for him, you know, he was able to make that decision and, and step down and, and find a way to, you know, at least hand – you know, the program's still in pretty decent shape. I and mean, we got some holes, but, um, you know, it's not like it's in turmoil and it's going to take us a decade to rebuild. You know, it's, it's going to be a little bit of rebuilding, but it's, it's two, three years away from being able to compete for conference championships again. So what did you think of the coaching search and everything, you know, that that entailed? Was there a certain candidate that you latched onto and really liked? Well, initially I was on the Latrell train. Um, I liked him. He here, just kinda, here. Yeah, he, <laughs> he looked like a football coach who looked awesome, and he was <laughs> jacked, and his family looked, you know, they just kind of looked like the stereotypical football family. pretty wife, young he kids. He looked like Coach Taylor. Yeah. Oh, shoot. <laughs> he really did. Yeah. Oh, from Friday Night Lights. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm he talking did, about. Who do like you a, think I was talking about? I don't know. I was thinking Gene. <laughs> I, was like, oh, I was like, I don't see that. No, he hey, looked like uh, – Gene's hot in his own way. Hey, hey, you know, we, we're moving on from that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, jeez <laughs> Louise Grant. Uh, but, no, I, I was on the Latrell train. He kind of had that look, had that persona, had the, the energy, just a coach that – you know, and that's – and. I wasn't around when and wasn't really paying attention to K-State football when Coach Snyder got hired on originally, but that's what I gotta that's what I gotta imagine it felt like when he came to town. And obviously the program was a different spot, but he had the energy and the charisma um, and a young staff around him that had the energy and the excitement to to turn that program around, which they did better than anyone probably could anyone else probably could have. So um, I was on the Latrell train. The more that 
situation kind of fell through, fell apart, however it happened. None of us really know. Um, I think that was probably for the best. I, I think we would have been a, a stepping stone for him. I don't like the idea of us being a stepping stone. Um, and, you know, obviously if you come to K-State and you win and Alabama calls you, you know, you're, you're silly if you don't take that phone call. Um, but it, from I think he would have had he he would have been part of our we would have been part of his resume building and he would have had a very strategic plan of this is a three to four year plan and I'm gone and I don't I don't like that for the program I don't like that for the kids um, and I think Gene did a, a very good and and showed a lot of wisdom and um, I don't know who turned who down or who didn't want what job but it sounds like it, it all worked out for the better with that situation because I don't think I think he would have had success I think he would have been gone two or three years and that's not good for a program yeah anyone who allegedly was trying to negotiate in a zero buyout for a handful of different schools if, if you're coming with a list of five to ten schools and saying I don't want to buy out with any of these folks I think uh I think it's smart to move on, and that's, of course, all allegedly. But when we ended up landing on Chris Kleiman, what was your reaction when he was announced, and what what do you feel about him now? Initially, I was a little um, disappointed is a strong word, but towards the – Yeah, underwhelmed, not super excited. Because, um, you know, obviously Neil Brown was a candidate, and, and I was relatively excited about him, a little bit of a different um, – philosophy around him and his staff than than I think what coach Kleiman's going to bring but the more I mean literally you know first moment I hear about it I'm like yeah that's kind of not a very exciting hire I'm a little <laughs> little sad but then you start digging in and like every day and every month and every um every month that's gone by it's like man I'm just more and more impressed with this guy and there is more substance and more content and more coaching experience than I think you know than I think anyone else we could have hired I mean I'd much rather have him who's done it, used to winning, than compared to a, you know, 35-year-old, 40-year-old, um, you know, rookie head coach coming from a coordinator job, taking a chance, never really led a program. So he knows how to win. He knows how to lead a program. Um, so, no, I've been nothing but impressed. I actually um, – I still haven't met the guy. So, Coach Kleiman, let's grab a beer sometime. But a uh, go, go, little busy going into the fall. So, I've met – He likes Bud Light, by the way. Well, I'm, I'm, I, if for, for the, uh, the cheap light beer, I'm, I'm a Bud Light guy. Um, but it's – I've met most of the staff. Uh, I, think, I think I've met all the staff. And What do you think about the quarterbacks, Coach? I think he's a loser. No, <laughs> no, he's awesome. So, most – no, the staff all seem super competent, super, um, you know, just nice, friendly. They fit into, fit into this Midwestern town that we live in. Um, of Manhattan so I'm super excited for all of them to be there we've we've been able to meet most of the wives and they just everyone just seems super happy super grateful and that's probably my biggest um, you know probably advantage they might have is you know a lot of these coaches and, and not right or wrong and there's nothing wrong with using your network and using who you know but a lot of these coaches get to where they are because of who they were in college as a player most of these guys were nobodies and they have worked their way up the coaching ranks because of their brain and their work ethic and their skill set as football coaches. Not what they did on the field when they were 19 years old because that doesn't make you a good coach. So they've risen the ranks because they are good coaches. And I think that um, says a lot about these guys. And, and really, you know, they are you – know, everyone says they're blue-collar. These guys are blue-collar guys, and, and they like to work, and, and they're going to fit in great here in Manhattan. So despite what you just said, you are pretty close with Coach Colin Klein. Um, were you excited that he was able to stay on the coaching staff? And do you think it's important to have him to bridge the gap between the eras? 
Yeah, I mean, definitely doesn't hurt. Um, first off, obviously, selfishly, very happy to have him around. Um, and, you know, we're very good friends, and his wife and my wife are best friends, so they're, they talk every day. And um, I text Colin, he'll text me back like two weeks later because he's busy. But <laughs> <laughs> so like, he needs to eat a cheeseburger. <laughs> the guy is like losing. I feel Shoot, like- we. Yeah, we eat with them all the time. You know, we have dinner with them. Not now, not now that season started, but you know, in the summer we'll eat with them every ten days, two weeks. And I mean, he can like put, he can put down food. I feel like every picture I see, like he just gets smaller and smaller. Yeah, Ooh. funny Colin story. Slowest eater in the history of the world. Oh, like, no. like, <laughs> I'll eat in twenty. You know, normal meal times will come out. You know, fifteen twenty minutes. It will take him an hour to eat his food. Like forty chews per bite. It drives me insane. Anywho. <laughs> Um, That's fun Colin Klein story. That's brand. probably why he's so skinny. He's Methodical. burning so many calories. <laughs> Calculated. Yes, exactly. That's it's, super on brand. That's for so him. funny. <laughs> exactly. But no, I think that'll be a good transition. I mean, especially just, you know, just for the fan base. I mean, there's, um, you know, just to see someone which we all trust as a fan and Colin and what he's done for the program. He obviously bleeds purple, um, you know, sacrificed a lot of time and his body for, for this program. Um, and if he's all in, if Coach Klein is good enough for for Colin, then then Coach Klein is probably good enough for all of us. So I think uh, uh, I think that transition will help. I think obviously with uh, most of the strength staff or all of the strength staff stayed on board. Um, I think kind of having another having the strength staff there, strength staff there, having an assistant coach there, um, just kind of all helps bridge the gap. I mean, because especially like you know these new coaches, I mean they're new to town. They're they're trying to figure out what schools to put their kids in. I mean they got li- they need someone they can trust to say, hey Colin. What the what, what, what's you know all the schools around here, pretty all about, about the same. But what neighborhoods should we buy in? You know what's what's good about this part of town versus that part of town. So there's so much personal stuff that um, that people forget about. That you know these coaches really do become you know they work together for 60, 78 hours a week. They become best friends, um, and, and that camaraderie is really what you know you need your players to buy in and become best friends, and you need your coaches to buy in and become best friends too, and really work as a team in that matter. So speaking of Colin, quarterbacks coach, uh, that leads us to Skylar Thompson. He's now the undisputed leader of this offense and of the team. Um, what do you think that will do for his game now that he's not going to have to look over his shoulder every time he might not have a perfect play? I mean, I think it it has to help him. I mean, I don't. I know you know most of the media comments that he would make or out or Delton would make last year, where you know it doesn't bother me, it doesn't bother me, which is what you have to say, and. I mean, I was trying to think of an analogy for, you know, like a normal guys like us. Like what – I couldn't think of anything. Like that's just got to be so hard to have someone – I mean, not breathing down your neck, but second-guessing yourself every time. And quarterback is such a – you know, you have to make decisions in a split second. And if you don't make that decision, it's an intercept. If you're late, you're late, and it's picked off incomplete, vice versa, or, you know, all of the above. So it's – it's very – you have to be able to play free. You have to be able to play aggressive. And for whatever reason, him and Alex both did not feel that freedom and that trust last year um, from from the staff. So, I don't think – and, you know, I had some conversations with uh, some other media people, and, and, and we boiled it down to last year when we were frustrated and coached, we could see Coach Snyder's frustration coming through on press conferences and it's like coach all you got to say is at the end of the day neither of these guys are playing well enough for us to win the amount of games that we think we can win and until that happens we're going to have a, du- a two quarterback system and I think that would have left a lot of the uncertainty out of the media and, and kind of um, 
you know, not the witch hunt that went on, but, you know, just the, the drama that went on that was kind of unnecessary and just kept getting brought up and, and brought up and brought up. And it's like, you know, coach, they're both playing at a B minus. We need one of them to play at a B plus. Until one of them starts playing at a B plus, they're both going to get their, 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 their shots. And so um, that's how I probably would have handled the situation if I were um, up on the podium, which I'm not. So <laughs> I'm down on this podium. <laughs> but, uh, but, no, I think it will definitely help him uh, – help him as he progresses and you know whether Delton would have needed to transfer for this for him to be in that number one spot who knows um but it's kind of nice that it that's the way it happened and um you know he's the clear cut as long as he stays healthy he's 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 our guy so you're the only one at this table who's ever had to digest a college football offensive playbook well do you think Skyler will be able to get a good enough grasp in one offseason to be able to handle everything that comes with being a high-level college quarterback with a brand-new system? Yeah, I mean, first off, I think from what I've been told, Skyler's a pretty sharp guy. I mean, there's definitely guys that, um, you know, struggle more than others just from God-given brain ability. Um, but from what we've been told, Skyler's, uh, you know, on the upper side of intelligence. So um, that always helps. <laughs> Skyler, you're a smart guy. Good, good for you. Um, but, and two, I mean, A, this coach climbing system, it's pretty stinking similar to Kansas State. And that's what, once you, coming from high school to college, I mean, in high school you go from running like 40 plays that are all basic and they, at least in my high school, we called the names wrong and it just didn't even make sense. And then you get to college and you, you have like a thousand plays. And so like that jump is massive where if you're just going from system A to system B, it's like, well... We have those thousand plays, and it's like, well, we're basically going to run eighty percent of them are basically the same, and then so eight hundred out of the thousand, you just got to learn a few extra words for the extra two hundred. So I don't think it'll be an issue. Um, you know, there'll be some verbiage, things will be simplified, especially that first uh, the first few non-conference games. Um, but no, I don't think it'll be it'll be an issue. I think that the offenses are similar enough, and Skyler's a smart enough guy, and you know, just once you're in a college system, it, it's really not that hard to pick up a new system. So. So Skyler's going to be the guy for the next two seasons, but have you heard anything about the guys behind him that might either put themselves in a position to be the next guy or maybe even good enough to carve out their own kind of special package this season? Yeah, well, I haven't um, – no, unfortunately I haven't heard anything. This is what I would love. I would love for Holcomb to have his own package, Blake Bell-esque down at OU, goal you, line. You had to see the clip of him dunking on that dude. Oh, yeah, that was oh awesome. So, that was so, on SportsCenter. So man. funny story. So me and – me and uh, I might get in a little bit of trouble for this comment, but me and Colin, we were heading out to California <laughs> as a couple's trip, and when that story broke, <laughs> we're like in the car, and I'm like – Hey, Colin, you see your boy Duncan? And he's like, yeah, we need to have a talk. <laughs> and so, you know, all in good fun. And, like, that's what I – and that's what uh, we were joking because – Colin's know. such a dad. Well, and, and Colin's <laughs> pushing 30 now, but Colin in college, he could throw it down too. I mean, he could throw it down. And so I, I was like, Colin, he's got you need much to get... more bounce now that he's real thin. And weighs 30 pounds less than he yeah. played. Yeah, so I'm like, dude, you need to go show him how to really dunk because I bet you can do something a little better than he just did. Whoa. So I challenged him a little bit. I was like, you first hold him dunk off. Let's go. Um, you but, need a volunteer to get, you know, act like you're going to take a charge and like call and dunk on you. No, that would no. go viral. No, absolutely not. So, I know he's, I know he's a rail, but that'll still hurt. <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> um, but no, I'd love to see his little special package for him this year. Um, I think he's a good enough athlete and a good enough ball player um, that that he can he can help us win games. He can help us get a first down if we need it. He can help us, um, you know, get a touchdown, two point conversion, that type of. 
uh, personnel package. He's a big enough guy. If we do need some quarterback run game to protect Skyler, um, we can bring him in. From this year, I mean, Nick Ass, I don't – I see – it's really weird because I, I don't see Holcomb being experienced enough to be a true number two. I think if Skyler gets hurt, we bring in Nick. Um, just from a – I don't even know if experience is the right word, but just being able to handle a whole entire offense where Holcomb, I think, all right, man, we got – 12 plays for you this week. That's all you got to worry about. We'll worry about the rest of the offseason. Um, and, and I think we can get him um, get him some touches and get him the ball where, where Nick's going to be more of a true backup if Skyler does go down. He's going to be able to come in run, you know, and, not, and not lead your team down the field, but he'll be able to manage the game well enough to at least give your, ch- your, your team a chance to win. Let's pivot to the running back position a little bit. So as most know, Coach Snyder left uh, the running back room with no returning scholarship backs, as, you know, Alex Barnes declared for the draft, and, you know, we lost the rest to graduation. But the staff currently, you know, they did a good job finding two grad transfer running backs, and they filled the room with some diverse talent in the true freshman class. In this run-heavy offense, you think they're going to have enough production at that spot to do what they want to do? I mean, time will tell. Time will tell. Those guys have – Decent film. They're they're decent guy. You know they're decent running backs. But um, obviously there's a reason they weren't going to the NFL. So um, I think they'll be solid guys. They will. Um, what's underrated with them is the maturity they'll bring to that, a young running back room. Um, the maturity they'll bring, the experience they'll bring, and then two, just kind of like a sense of urgency. I mean, when you're a sophomore or a junior, you're like, oh, I got you know. I mean, we all want to win, but you know, I, it's a long. It's a long five years. We'll put it that way. So, yeah, you still got 24, 36 Right, games. yeah. It's a long – and sometimes it's hard to get real motivated on a Wednesday to get up at 6 a.m. in the middle of the summer when you got three years left. And um, where these guys, I mean, they're, they're on – you know, they're getting bonus play. I mean, they're getting an extra fifth year. They are urgent. They are, um, you know, this is their last year, and they know it. So, I mean, you always get that sense of urgency out of regular seniors and then having them be able to transfer in and kind of have that extra urgency of, like, they already had what they thought was probably going to be their last game, and now they get the opportunity to get a bonus season. They just have to be super grateful and super thankful. Um, but, I mean, absolutely. I mean, they'll, they'll help us. We, we needed something. So, um, you know, if that's the – I'm not super uh, – don't follow the transfer portal uh, daily like the coaches do. Um, but, if, I mean, if that's the best that was available, then that's the best that's available, and we're making our best with it. So. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what both those guys will do. And they're going to be running behind a very experienced offensive line. But at different times, they had some issues with consistency, especially in the you know, run blocking. They've lost Dalton Reisner, who is seeming to make a pretty good name for himself up in NFL camp. But with the new voice, new philosophy with Coach Riley, do you think they're going to be able to take that next step to be able to give Skyler the time and give all these new running backs enough room to, you know, pick up some yards? Yeah. Um, that, that is one coach that I think we're going to severely miss is Coach Dickey. I mean, he was very, very good. at. He always had one or two um, – you know, Reisner's, White Hairs, you know, those type of – V.J. Finney's. Though he always had one or two um, all-conference type linemen. But then you looked out there, and especially late in the year, and you're like, who are these guys? Like, he is plugging and playing guys that, you know, deserve to be on the field. But, you know, some guys that are backups that are their programs. And he's finding a way to have 200 yards of rushing with those guys. And, it's, and that was, you know, an testament, A, to those guys that are on the field. Coach Dickey's not the one doing the blocking. But Coach Dickey was a master at getting the most out of guys, getting them motivated, getting them prepared. 
Um, so we'll see. Uh, yeah, all your questions are we'll see. <laughs> so, yeah. um, I mean, Coach Riley is, you know, seems like a great guy. seems like he knows what he's doing. But, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about week after Mississippi State. <laughs> I'll let you know. So, um, but, no, I, I, think, I think we're in good hands with Coach Riley. He's, he's got the resume. He's got the experience to, um, to get that O-line in shape. And I think we have enough talent there. Um, we got enough returners that, no, I, I, don't, I don't foresee that being um, – you know, it, it's been a strength in our past for, for most – for a lot of seasons. Um, I don't think it's going to be a liability. I think it will be, you know, probably somewhere neutral and maybe a slight strength for, for this team. So this offensive philosophy really hinges a lot on, you know, the tight end spot, which might hurt your heart a little bit. <laughs> um, with Lenners recovering from injury, which actually sounds like he's yeah. fairly well up to speed. And yeah, that was news we heard this past week because there were reports that he was kind of struggling with his rehab. Yeah, which like he – was it first game last year? First game. Yeah, like, like first, first drive. Yeah, yeah, like dropped a touchdown and then got hurt the next yeah. play. I was like, Ugh. dude, come on. So we <laughs> felt terrible. Felt awful for him. We got Linners, which seems like is going to be our first choice tight end. We got Gammon returning, and uh, the addition of true freshman Connor Fox. Uh, will they have enough talent? Do you think they'll have enough talent to ha- to run a two tight end formation as much as you know Coach, Meshing- Coach Messingham wants and had at North Dakota State? Um, I I, I know. We'll get there. I mean, they might have to be a little light on the tight ends this year, but I think over time that's obviously going to be an emphasis for them to and the recruiting trail to. And two, if you're a tight end, I mean, in high school, what an exciting program to come to. I mean, they're going to use you. I mean, there's nothing worse than um, you know being a glorified tackle when you're a tight end. I mean, that doesn't speaking get, from experience. Yeah. Right? Well, no, I, I had I had plenty of I got I got my touches and we won a lot of games, <laughs> so we had a lot of fun. But uh, but no, I mean, there's some guys that you know they literally like never got the you know they have like two catches in their career and i'm like man that sounds terrible you might as well just be a tackle so <laughs> um but no i i think <laughs> it's a uh, we'll see i, I am I, I think Leonard fits into the system pretty well um, i think he's athletic enough um he's he's able to do both both sides he's a hybrid enough type tight end because that's what we've been i feel like nowadays it's, you're either super big and you're a blocker or you're a wider, a big wide receiver, and like, there's not a whole lot of guys that can really do both well. Um, I feel like we've kind of gotten away from that, um, not just as Kansas State, but as as a country, you know, across college football. So, um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, we do need to, the recruiting trail. We do need to um, find some guys, and I, and I have heard not just from Kansas State recruiting, but from some other um, programs that that we get to uh, talk with. Like, they are having a hard time just overall finding tight ends that are willing to put their hand on the ground and block. I mean, so that's what PSA to all you tight ends playing right now. Don't s- split out and just run routes the whole time. That's not a tight end. That's a wide receiver. So if you want to play college football, get nasty, get in the trenches. And if you can block and you're good enough at catching routes, I you, you'll have – you'll find us. Teams are needing that and they're wanting that. And our tight ends have seen this NFL-style tight end that – is you know glorified and catching touchdowns and they're all six foot seven and can jump out of the gym and and that's just not the reality of some college football teams currently still sounds like uh you need to start a travis Tannehill coaching clinic soon yeah. i don't know about that well <laughs> my body hurts i'm good <laughs> <laughs> or you could just you know tell them all to play quarterback in high school like sammy wheeler and you know, then boom, you're a tight end. In oh, yeah. No, and I'm glad you <laughs> mentioned I'm, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned to see him what he's going to do. Yeah, we've seen some film or, you know, just some snippets from practice from what K-State's putting out and um, what, you know, an open practice the other day. That was weird. Ooh. Um, some some video that came out of there. Like, I was like, that 
he, he can play. He, he can get the job done. So, um, you know, I think between between Wheeler and Lynn, and Lynn is we'll, we'll have a decent, uh, you know. But like anything, you know, there's two guys. Um, unfortunately for, you know, for, for, for Gammon, I mean, he's a solid tight end. I just don't know if he quite fits the system. So, I, I mean, he'll, he'll get some snaps and he'll find his way, but I just don't see him being a starter in yeah. this system. He's like the old style of tight end. Right. He's, he's kind of like that, you know, extra tackle type. Yeah, end, so. exactly. So, I just don't know if I see him ever being that number one go-to guy. He might be the second or third tight end in two or three tight end packages, mm-hmm. but um, in this type of system, they just need a little – a little more athleticism, and they demand that, which, which I don't know. It's fun. We, we, it's been a – I mean, I caught some balls, and ever since I left, I mean, they just don't like, – they just haven't even thrown the ball to tight end, and it's just like – They tried a little bit depressing. last year, and it yeah. did not work. It did not work yeah. out. So we'll move over to the defensive side real quick. Uh, Reggie Walker made a little bit of noise down at Big 12 Media Days saying that K-State had the best defensive line in the Big 12. So it is probably the most talented and deep – position at K-State or the position room at K-State. Um, what do you see when you look at them? And do you think they truly can get to that level of being one of the best in the Big 12? I mean, I don't see best D-line in the Big 12, just being honest, Reggie. Sorry. Um, there's some really, really good D-lines in the Big – I mean, there's some top five D-lines in the country in the Big 12. So, um, that, that's, just a, that's just a tall task. One of them's in Manhattan. Oh. I'm just kidding. No, Grant, I don't actually believe Grant made that. a take. <laughs> yeah. Top no. five defensive line. No, According sorry. to Reg. Grant he said it. It's case, on the podcast. It. It's All right. on the podcast. Fuck it. <laughs> um, but, I mean, obviously they're going to be the strength of this defensive unit. So whether they're the best in the conference, I mean, who cares? They're, they're, they're the strength of this team, and, and they're going to need to play well. And um, looking at our secondary and our linebackers, you know, we got some guys, but we're missing one or two. And, you know, as long as everyone stays healthy, we got some guys that can play, but we know how the season goes. So um, they're going to have to get some pressure on the quarterback. They're going to have to stop the run with, you know, with four down, not having to bring a fifth up front. So I think uh, they're going to have to play exceptionally well uh, for for this team to, you know, to do well. And Reggie's great, but, I mean, Wyatt Hubert is – amazing and young and I mean I think he's going to be freshman All-American last year if I I recall correctly so yeah yeah, freshman All-American last year going to his sophomore year Um, I mean he's got three more years and I mean he's just a stud so I'm really excited to see he's like a and he's like a better Ryan Mueller and Ryan Mueller was really good (laughs) and so that's saying at Ryan at as a sophomore so um, they kind of remind me of each other got a little Ian Campbell in them so I mean it's like Man, it is. He's got that long hair. I know. He, he kind of looks he, like Ian a little bit. He pulls bit. it off. He yeah. Looks oh, he looks great. So nice I'm excited to watch him and Reggie um, and the rest of that <laughs> defensive front, you know, do a, you know, plug up those holes. And what I do like about Reggie, you know, why it's a little more reserved, doesn't really say much, it's kind of serious all the time and, you know, just goes out there and kills quarterbacks, which is fine. But, you know, Reggie's got that that attitude, that confidence that, that you need swag. on defense. I mean, and that's Love something it. I never had. I mean, I was like, yeah, I'm a <laughs> solid tight end. I mean, I'll. I'll do fine. I'll, I'll I'll block my guy. You go score touchdowns, Colin. Sounds great. Um, but you need those guys like Reggie who have a little bit of attitude, and, and they want you know they think they're the best on the field, which is what you want. They he I mean he no doubt that wasn't just lip service. He believes they are the best D line in the country, and good for him. And he better keep believing that, and he better tell himself that before every single snap. And they better go out there and prove it because that's that's what you have to, or you don't even have a chance. I think we've been missing that attitude for oh, yeah. a while probably Agreed. since you were here yep so the linebacker position was 
fairly thin even before the Justin Hughes injury in the spring. Do you think that Daquan Patton and Elijah Sullivan, barring any further injuries, will you know be able to take a big enough jump forward this season to not you know be liabilities at that position? Yeah, because last year, I mean, there were they showed up you know a little more than you want to at a linebacker yeah, that position. Baylor game was rough. Yeah, and I mean, and, and let's give these. Let's cut them a little. I mean, it is really hard. That's probably the hardest position, I think, on offense. Or, I mean, you get exposed. You get embarrassed. on. I mean, you are covering some. Constantly, like, in the open field. Right. I mean, it's just it, hard. Yeah. I mean, you got to make open field tackles. You got to you got to tackle big running backs. You got to, you know, take on, two hundred, you know, 320-pound guards. And yet, you still got to go tackle a running, you know, cover a running back out of the backfield. Who weighs 180 pounds? And you cover a wide receiver. Cover a slot receiver who weighs 170 pounds. It's like, man, they, they have such a hard job. And so, um, but no, I think obviously one more one more year of experience. Um, I know there were some remarks last year from from Coach Siler on you know just they're they're still like they're still figuring out where to line up, which is you know that's half the battle. You can't be thinking about that if you're thinking about that. If you're th- you know if you're going through your assignments, who I got, who I'm covering. What uh, you know? What zone we're in? Where I'm supposed to be? I mean, you're you're too late. So you have to. That experience is what's so valuable to the, especially these defensive guys. Is if they can play, you know, offense. I, I have I have time. I mean, I can, you know, pl- play gets called, and I got ten seconds to get to the line. If I don't know my assignment at the end of the day, I can just ask someone. And <laughs> and where defense? I mean, offense comes out in X formation and or in certain formation and you got to react and you know by and especially in the big 12 i mean sometimes sometimes they don't even huddle you know from 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 one snap to the next it's eight seconds and you better be ready to go and you better know your assignment and depending on if they got three receivers over here and two over there to changes who you're covering if you're going man or zone so i mean there is a ton to process on the defensive side of the ball and and those guys did an okay job. I mean, there, there's room for improvement, um, and I think the good thing is I think they have the physical tools to to be anything they want to be. So as long as they can mentally get there um, and, and get the experience there, I think they'll I think they'll turn out to shape out to be pretty solid players for us. What are some names um, outside of those two obvious starters in Patton and Sullivan that could provide us some quality depth at that linebacker position? I think um, Daniel Green and and Cody Fletcher. Um, you know, Daniel Green was a guy who I think he'll be a starter someday. It's just a matter of time. I mean, you look at him, he looks the part. Um, is he still a redshirt freshman? Yes. I feel like we've been talking. I mean, yeah. I think this year a, he will be, yeah. Yeah, he, I think he took a gray shirt. Yep. And then we're like, all right, is he going to make it on a campus? And then he redshirted last year. I feel like yeah, we've been talking about So he's about one of those guys that's 20 years old, been around, you know, been through yeah, two spring balls or whatever. A, he was a four-star coming out of high I know. school. So and so one day I think we might be talking about Daniel Green as like one of the, you know, most recent great K-State linebackers. No, I would agree. I think he has all the potentials to be a, uh, you know, an exceptional all-conference linebacker, which, you know, to say that about any freshman is – taking a risk because freshmen are freshmen and, you know, 50% of them don't yeah. pan out. So yeah. Very true, um, very true. And then, you know, Cody Fletcher, I think he'll be a solid, you know, special teams guy. He, he was a special teams guy last year, but I think this year he'll probably be, um, you know, back up to two or three different spots. So um, whether we need to bring in another linebacker or whether someone goes down, I think he'll have the capacity to kind of just be that all around. You know, he's not going to, you know, he'll probably show up once or twice because he'll be the utility guy, yeah, utility guy and, 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 you know, have a good season and help us win some games. And those guys are needed. So I think both those guys, um, I expect to see on the field a little more this year. Definitely. So uh, the secondary is without Duke Shelley. He's, you know, actually having a pretty good camp up in Chicago with the bears. 
uh, Denzel Goolsby's a you know the leader back there, and you have a ton of young guys. Lance Robinson. Uh, you have Wayne Jones, Kevian McGee, who's an upperclassman who's shown some signs, and everyone's going to be depending on AJ Parker and uh, Walter Neal. So with all of that talent, uh, you know, in, some of them even in the true freshman class, because that was the cornerstone of this past recruiting class. But with all of those guys, can they get it all right between the ears so they can hold up versus all these great offenses in the Big Twelve? Yeah, and I, I like that you mentioned, you know six guys. I mean, a lot of times when we talk about secondaries, we list like a safety in a corner and it's like, well, that's not how it works. Like, like, like they do have to work, you know, that secondary is a unit. And if one guy is struggling, the whole secondary gets picked apart, gets picked apart. So it's, it really does take, you know, four guys or five guys, depending on the coverage, um, all working in unison, all covering their responsibilities or otherwise these big 12 offenses just, just kill you. Um, so, from a talent standpoint, uh, I mean, we're not going to be the most talented defensive back room in, in, the, in the conference. Um, I'm really anxious to kind of see the defensive philosophy, the defensive mindset. I know I feel like Blake tried to be a little more aggressive last year. Um, and I know, you know, do we stay towards that bend, don't break type style? Do we get a little more aggressive, which is kind of what it sounds like, which is what I would like to see. Um, so we'll we'll kind of see how the, the philosophy shakes out. I mean, because that's what – you know, all these guys, a lot of that comes from coaching. Is It's like, all right, you're a cornerback, and, you know, a lot of these coaches will tell you, you know, be a little more passive, keep the ball in front of you, make the tackle, let the offense make a mistake. And other coaches are like, no, we need interceptions. Like, go after that ball. You, you, you think you think you can jump around? You better go get it. And if you miss a tackle and they score a touchdown, who cares? We'll, we'll get them on the next one. So, um, so it, I'll be curious to see what that feel is from from this coaching staff. And I know some, you know, some guys I played with, in the and on in the secondary, you know, they were frustrated because they were told, "Keep the ball in front, come up, make a tackle, and and live to play another down." And and they they didn't feel like they could really play as themselves and and be the best player they could because if they made a mistake and you know big play touchdown whatever you know they're gonna get benched and, and so kind of going back to the whole. Skyler Delton quarterback situation like do you want your guys playing free having fun and and going out there and um you know being ball hawks or do you want them keeping everything in front making tackles so differences of philosophies um I don't know which one's right or wrong but I know which one's more fun and that's being aggressive so <laughs> at least more fun to watch so last but not least we will touch on special teams we have had you know immense success over the last couple decades in special teams but last year we we really underperformed do you put much weight on this quote-unquote special teams coordinator? Or, and do you feel that we can get back to that level of having a big influence on the special teams side of the ball? I mean, I don't – from what I've seen, I just don't know if Coach Kleiman is going to make it a priority as much as Coach Snyder did, which isn't saying – which isn't a negative towards Kleiman. I mean, Coach Snyder, year in and year out, and Sean as well, found a way – I mean, they were – the top of the country every single year, which is, I mean, that just takes, I mean, we would spend hours on special teams. I mean, there's a reason it was, it was good. And it's because we focused on it and other coaches might choose to, you know, nowadays the, the time at practice has gotten pretty strict. And, um, and so they might choose, all right, we need to focus more on offense and defense and special teams. As long as we're net neutral, we'll call it good. Um, so I don't think there's a right or wrong philosophy on that. I know special teams is an area you can steal points and steal field position and all that fun stuff. But um, 
I'm not going to give Coach Kleiman the credit <laughs> to get a special teams unit where Coach Snyder had just because I think that would be disrespectful to what Coach Snyder and Sean did. Um, I mean, they were so good at getting those special teams units ready um, and getting them where they needed to be and scoring points and blocking field goals and, and having great returns. Um, so, no, I, I don't – until Coach Kleiman proves me otherwise, I, I don't know if anyone will ever get our special teams back to where Sean and, and Coach had them because it was – such a special unit and it meant so much to them and that's really what special teams is a lot of you know how much does it mean to those guys and I know like Stanton Weber's taking over or not taking over but he's helping out a lot I think that's his formal title now is special teams quality control um you know he's a young sharp guy with, with you know um, he'll be excited to own that and you know put his stamp on it and uh and try to get those guys excited for special teams so and, and you know we'll see I mean a lot of times too it's just a matter of managing your your roster and I mean we put some really good guys out on special teams and risked injuries and risked other things for an extra 15 yards of field position and other schools don't do that I mean they're not putting their best defenders on kickoff unit because you get whacked all the time yeah I think and Arthur one concussion. Brown was on like kickoff yeah. coverage in 2012 yeah. I think and one concussion you're out yeah. four games and it's like or six games or whatever it is now and so it's like is that really worth the risk or can we get I mean, and they're all, you know, all the players are valuable. But, uh, you know, we're not – Some younger guys. Right, some yeah. younger guy, You know, and, and they can – you know, who aren't going to see the field on defense and allow them to – you know, that's all they have to do. They, yeah. they get four snaps a game. And, and they know that. on those yeah, four. Yeah, exactly. And so it's just – so we'll see. I mean, no right or wrong philosophy standpoint. But, I mean, I think I think it'll be net neutral. I mean, I don't think it's – Coach Kleiman will let it be a liability. I don't think they're going to put enough time and effort – um, and put the guys out there for it to really be an asset like it has been, you know, for during Coach Snyder's tenure. Um, but, I mean, we'll see. We might He might come out and shock us all and put a bunch of starters out there. And, and you know, he might say, you know what, we're still light from a talent standpoint. We're going to need to steal, you know, seven, ten points a game in order to win. So, and, and you know, you can make those decisions per on a per-game basis too. I mean, you're going up against oh, yeah. OU or Texas, you might say, hey, you know, Reggie Walker, you're on kickoff team. <laughs> I think versus OU, we should roll out in the triple option. So just totally, Hulk, yeah. Holcomb, let Holcomb run the triple option. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. I I think it would be fun. But uh, we will roll into this. It's August 9th, which you know when you you think about, it, it's like man, you know, you still have a lot of time. But game one is going to be here before you know it. So we are going to have you predict game by game for us we won't hold you to it we'll be nice to you if you uh go get out somewhere else and predict something else we won't sick the boneheads on you but as we're sitting here on august 9th we'll go game by game game one versus Nichols. if uh espn knows what's good for him you and brian smoller will be <laughs> calling it on espn plus so i'll uh i'll start our letter writing campaign to make that happen but, <laughs> get a petition yeah exactly get three thousand boneheads to exactly. call up there and I can get you an email address. We can, oh, hey, we can blast right. someone at ESPN's email address. Okay, okay, we'll do that off pod and we'll uh, get it started. So it's game one, Coach Kleiman era versus Nichols. What, what, how do you think that game will go? I mean, absolutely. I mean, win for sure. I think those guys are going to be so excited. Um, obviously, the Nichols program, even if we are a little depleted on talent, is not going to um, you know be able to measure up um, you know toe to toe from a talent standpoint. So no. For sure, Nickel State, not an easy W. They're never easy. But, um, they're, you know, the other guys are on scholarship too. But I don't think – when a coach has been there for a few years, a lot of times those first non-conference games can take – you know, you can take them a little lackadaisical and, 
you can take them a little for granted. But with the new coach, I mean, there's no way those co- there's no way that coaching staff is going to let that happen. And I don't think those players are even going to be tempted to do that. They're going to be excited to go out and prove to this fan base what they've been working on all offseason with a new program. All right, so we're at one and zero. Bowling Green, who I think is actually going to be worse than Nichols, but I would agree. And easy another win. another W at home, right. getting things. All right, we're rolling. So, so we're at, two and zero, four more to full game. Mississippi State, and I don't want to disrespect the first two programs because, particularly Nickel State, because I do think that 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 is going to be a tougher tougher opponent than it seems. Mm-hmm. But at Mississippi State, I'm so intrigued by because they lost a large chunk of their team, and they are still an SEC opponent on the road. But I'm just so excited to see. Our backs are going to be against the wall in that game, probably for the first time. How do you think that we respond in that game, and where do you see that? You know, where do you see that one coming? Yeah, up? I mean, one, I'm super excited for that game. It's going to be fun. We're are you gonna, gone? Uh, no, I wasn't planning. I was I'm like not, really thinking about buying yeah. tickets yesterday. They're like nine dollars. I have a wedding that day, or I would say let's just what's rent the, what's the drive? Yeah, how, how it's far, not great. How it's like far? 11, Ten, eleven hours. Oh, that's nothing. I know, but I. I'm, That's like I 6 p.m. I don't love it. I don't love bedtime. weekend shit get, like get, that. Get a van and record a podcast from the road. Shall we? Too. Let's go, man. 11-hour podcast marathon. Well, we flirted <laughs> with the idea of a 24-hour podcast this oh, past wow. offseason, but it didn't happen. But, but, <laughs> I, I, I firmly vote no. <laughs> okay, that but, sounds terrible. But, well, it doesn't have to be full 11 hours, but you and Grant are going to be there. Yeah. You're going to do an hour-long podcast from the road. I wouldn't mind going to that game. That'd be, be kind of yeah, fun. Yeah, why not? Right, I mean, I'd do it. You guys should do it. But Coach Kleiman has has a history of these non-con bit massive upsets from when he was at North Dakota State. Does he pull it off at K-State? You picked it last year. So, yeah, and I was wrong. Um, so, no, unfortunately, I still believe the talent gap is going to be a little too far. Especially if we were at home, I would probably pick K-State to win on the road. Um, fresh, fresh new staff, guys. You know that we talked about the offensive playbook. I mean, they'll be it'll be ninety percent in, but it won't be a hundred percent in. It'll take a few years um, for, for every single nuance to get implemented. So, I just don't, <laughs> just I just can't get out of my mind. I was on the field last year for the Mississippi State game, and like those guys were just massive. <laughs> and I was just like, we don't have a chance. <laughs> and and which is that was a wake up call. Yeah, I was like, these guys are. Large human beings, and they look very. They weren't fast. even that good either. That's I know, what's that, so disappointing. Oh, throughout the whole year, I mean, what was it? They weren't. Were they five hundred? Five. Yeah, just over five hundred. So, Ugh. um, so yeah, I, I don't think we go down there and, and steal one. I think that that's a. I mean, it's not it's definitely not a fifty-fifty game, but um, it's it's winnable though. I mean, it's not like you know every game. They're not winnable, Alabama, but, right? Exactly. So it's like you know if. And if we win that game, I mean, watch out. This fan base will be excited, and and this you know, Coach Kleiman will have. The team on his side, whole which he already does, I feel like, but he'll have the fan, you know, any naysayers. If he can go down there and steal a game from Mississippi State, um, you know, watch out because everyone will be bought it, and, and he knows that. I mean, he's not, you know, he's not stupid. He'll, he'll, he's, he knows that if he can figure out a way to, and like you said, he's proven multiple times, not just once. I mean, a handful of times that he can go into a big program and he can steal a win, and he can put a game plan together that out coaches, uh, you know some of the best coaches in, in the country. That's so. a good point. He has plenty of experience yeah. going on the road against Power 5 teams and being the underdog. So, yeah. fuck, maybe we might go and win that game. Who Shoot. knows? Who knows? I'm not betting on it. But <laughs> but if you do – Official L. 
But if you do bet on it, go to my bookie promo code exactly. boys to get your deposit exactly. bonus. Um, you, you go to a bye week after that, and then you start Big 12 play. The schedule makers don't give him any sort of, uh, you know, favor. You're opening up Big 12 play at Oklahoma State. Uh, if we were to win that, that would be two straight at Oklahoma State. Would that be four straight overall? I think that would be four straight overall. Three, I think. I think we're on three, aren't we? Let's see. They beat us in 2016 in Manhattan. Okay. All right. So, no, it would be three we straight. We blew that game. Yes. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, that was a collapse. So, it would be three straight if we can pull 17, it off. 17, 18, and this would be 19. Yeah, yeah so it, it would be two straight down there. Skylar Thompson's maybe best game ever happened in Stillwater. It was the Byron Pringle game. Yeah. Uh, shout Byron going for a roster spot in the Chiefs. That a boy. So, uh, d- do they make it three straight versus the Pokes? Yes. Hey, hey, hey. shout out Charlie yeah. Dickey. Let's go. Um, and Joe Bob. Come on. Oh, yeah, and Joe and Bob. Joe Bob. Um, no, I, I think that's a very winnable game. I mean, coming off a of Mississippi State loss, um, we get a bye week to kind of hopefully not lick our wounds. But, um, you know, coming off a of bye week, they'll have, you know, two weeks to prepare for that game, and which makes all the difference in the world. I mean, I don't, I don't think fans quite understand how important bye weeks are. And if you have two full weeks, I mean, to have a – Two day, two and a half days to implement a game plan. I mean, it's it's busy. I mean, it, there's just not a lot of time. You don't get that many reps, but to have double that, um, and you can those coaches can really put in. You know, they can do a little more because they have the time, and they can have the you know they can put in a few more creative plays or whatever, a few more uh, you know watch film a little more um, to make sure they have the absolute perfect game plan. Um, so no, I I think I think they can go down there and I don't know if steal is the right word. Where they? I mean, what are they fifth? supposedly fifth in the conference preseason um so yeah w all right i was never scared of Stillwater. i mean Stillwater. it's a it's an on the road it's a good environment i don't think i wasn't impressed yeah it's good i mean it's fun but it's it's, fine yeah it's fine but like yeah it's not like they've never sold out advantage not once have they sold out their stadium yeah, isn't that's that, insane. Isn't that amazing? Man, that's never. proof as to why. Which is crazy because in 2012. And they've had, I think, a college game day against Oklahoma. And they, yeah. still and they didn't sell it out. Yeah. Or no, we were down there in 2011, I think. Which oh, is absurd. Yeah, that, that was the, and that uh, game was, I mean, that was a fun, loud game. That was a classic. Uh, that was yeah. the earthquake game. Yeah. With Kirk Herbstreit up in the box after that. and So they didn't sell that game out? No, they've never sold that stadium oh out. Never. I mean, it's that too stadium big. Was, it was it's too big. Pumping. I mean, it was it was no. a good atmosphere. No, I mean, they, when they, we were they, there, it was pretty decent. I don't. I feel like it's just kind of open. Yeah. And it's just like, too big. Yeah. And they don't they don't yeah. fill it. I mean, yeah. No, there's just not a whole lot of home field advantage. I mean, it's a nice stadium, and it's kind of. It, I mean, I enjoyed playing down there. Like, I had fun I, though. I was we gotta, like, we know, gotta some, go back. Some stadiums, I well, it's an easy drive, and that's a fun town. So yeah, I like the pokes. I don't agree with that. I think that town is a dump. Oh, yeah. Oh, they smoke in the bars. It's, it's a dump arena. Stillwater is like a – just like a gross version of Manhattan. I like, would it's not, like a Kroger, not disagree with that. <laughs> it's Kroger brand Manhattan, yeah. but it's I think also even expired. saying that is disrespectful to Manhattan. Like, I think it's yeah, that much true. worse. Like, Stillwater – There's nothing there. It's just we so ugly. We were there ugly. for the basketball game. It truly was just ugly. But yeah. we'll, we'll move on past that. So, we're sitting at three and one. Three and one. <laughs> three and one. We come back to perhaps – the biggest swing game of the year, if not Oklahoma State. Uh, Baylor at home, Chris Kleiman's first Big 12 home game against what I think is going to be a pretty darn good Baylor team. How do you yeah. how do you see this play out? Well, there's so many games on here where I was like, well, I'd normally pick us to lose, but <laughs> we have this. And, you know, this is kind of the same one. It's like, well, you know, probably a 
60-40, 65-35 favorite to Baylor. But I was like, but home opener. I was like, Coach Clinton, like, they're going to be jacked. The fans are going to be jacked. They're going to have – Especially know, if they're 3-1. and one. Oh, exactly. Oh, my God. Even – you know, even two and two. I mean, you know, that, you know that's not depends good. on how those losses. Yeah, look. yeah, exactly. Because so. you could be staring at that game. You know what? Three or four weeks since your last win. Oh, I know. I yeah, mean, that could have been a long October, probably whatever. It was, September, September, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm going another W. We're, we're, we're being I, super optimistic. I love it. I, I'm I'm loving yeah. it. So I know. I, I and there's there's three or four coin flip games that I picked a W. And like, obviously, if you can win all four of those, then that's great. Realistically, you know, if we can steal two or two out of four, three out of four, that's going to be awesome. Hey, I just like your vibes. We're going to keep it going. Keep it rolling. You get TCU and Alex Delton after another bye week. So you, this is the one out of five years where you get two bye weeks in a season. Uh, you know, TCU, you're you're four and one coming off of. Bye I know week. you're not. Get, you can't pick a loss here the way you're. Going, I know right? exactly. Another W. <laughs> So five and one, I love it. Yeah. Here's the question: Is Alex Delton starting that game in his return to TCU? No, I don't think so. Neither do I. I don't think. I mean, that was a weird transfer. For, like, I don't. I don't see him getting. Like, I think he'll like. Maybe be a I don't solid think backup. He I don't think he'll start. One. Maybe week one. Yeah. But I don't. I don't foresee him. I don't know. I liked Alex as a person, and I thought he was a solid player, but I didn't quite understand. Like, just that move. For, like, I would not recommend my child to do what he like I just didn't quite understand I understood I understood transferring from Kansas State I don't understand it was very strange because he publicly like said said UTEP right and then like one day it was just like I'm going to TCU now yeah which like UTEP makes sense though he's down there he's the starter like you know they're not gonna win very many ball games obviously um I didn't think Dana liked Dana was there so yeah had kind of a connection but whatever so what, what are we? Who sitting knows at? what demo like? So you're sitting at five, five and, one. and one. Man, we're like probably breaking the top twenty-five now. Well, and then you're getting the third straight home game, Oklahoma. That might be college game day. Yeah, I'm gonna go <laughs> loss on that one. Unfortunately, as much. You know as what's funny is like, I mean, this is. I feel like we would be more suited to, and maybe I'm really like shitting on Jalen Hurts here, but. He's so good. He is really good. <laughs> Maybe it's just like because I haven't seen him play. It seems like I haven't seen him play for so long. It's like two years. And coming, well, I mean, he, and he's not at the level of Baker Mayfield no, or Kyler Murray. I, like, I agree with that. And I actually don't know if he has the arm talent to run the that offense. System, that right? I mean, because the re- the reason why Kyler and Baker worked so well is their precision at the short passing game they had enough arm talent to go deep then they could take off and run i think jalen hurts he's not going to run past you he might run over you yeah he's a stud of an athlete he's a great athlete and he can do the short is he a good enough quarterback i think you can cheat your safety safeties up versus him and all that being said i'm definitely not going to pick that as a win but i'm not i mean I, i i think he's probably the third or fourth best quarterback in the league not number one but that's just me but Put Skyler above or below him? Probably right below. Skyler I mean, below? If, yeah. If, right. you're, if you're talking about purely quarterback, if you're talking about athlete, yeah. all that type of stuff, then, yeah, he, he's probably one of the better athletes, and he has one of the best offensive systems. And I know if John Kurtz and Matt Hall listen to this, they're big believers in him. I'm more of a Sam Ellinger guy myself. But I I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just not the biggest believer in Jalen Hurts. But, I mean, who knows? Maybe he'll win the Heisman yeah. and make me look like an idiot. So. Um, after that Oklahoma game, the most important game on every K-State fan's schedule this year, um, 
except for me because I put Iowa State as my number one. But uh, <laughs> it's like Clemens' first Governor's Cup. It's at KU. You're going head-to-head in all these recruiting battles. New coach Les Miles, they're all thinking, hey, it's a new era. And the last time Bill Snyder left, they won all three games. So uh, KU fans will be jacked. That'll probably be the most ticket sales in Memorial Stadium in the past decade. Um, probably the most KU fans in that stadium for this game in a decade. You're going to pick us to win big, though, right? Oh, yeah. 59 to 7? Until it's kind of it's kind of like OU. Until someone knocks off OU, o- OU's the top dog. Until KU even competes with K-State, it's just W. Like, just it's not even. Uh, I got bad news. They're competing. They almost yeah. beat us in Manhattan. Yeah. But until they win. Yeah. <laughs> fair enough. That's fair. Yeah, last year was – okay, I forgot about last year. All but, right, so now we go to Texas, which – I I feel like they are probably I don't know man. OU has so many people returning, but I put so much stock in a returning quarterback that's really good and proven himself. So I feel like they're kind of my number one seed in in this moment in my mind, but Although you picked Oklahoma. Texas or Texas I, or OU. I did officially pick Oklahoma and for media days, but gosh, I kind of keep going back and forth cuz I feel like a returning quarterback has a Huge, yeah. A lot of weight. Yeah. But um, we go to Texas. You know, we are bowl eligible, by in, the way. We are bowl eligible. At this point, we are one, two, two, three, four, five, six. Yep. Historically, somewhat, you know, we have had their number. Yeah. We They've beat us like – They've beat us like three straight years or three out of four. They've yeah. beat us three out of four years. And, you know, how do we fare in Austin this season? Yeah. Loss. Fair enough. Too, too, big, <laughs> too big of a talent gap. Yeah, for I, now. I, I think uh, they might really be "quote unquote" back. I, I think. Yeah. I think well, and that's the thing. When we noise. went through that decade of dominance against them, or you know, whatever, however many games we won in a row against them, it's like they weren't Texas. I mean. Well, I mean, Ronnie got two versus a good Texas team. Yeah, that's the true. The Texas team you guys beat, they ended up with nine wins that season. Yeah. So I mean, but they weren't they Vince weren't Young, Nash- Texas. Yes, yeah. Yes, they were. Which is Nash- where I'm going Nash- back to my high school days. Yeah. Like, man, they were unstoppable, you know, and just Rose Bowl this and Rose Bowl that, and I mean, it was they were they were a top three to five program year in and year out. Where now they've kind of you know they've been a top twenty five program, which is still great. Um, so. Yeah, I, I, I don't think know. They're getting closer to that. Level I think. Yeah, I, I agree. I think they're on the rise to becoming a top ten program consistently, and and that's kind of scary, but good for the Big Twelve because yeah. now we have two top ten programs with them exactly. and OU, and you just got to figure out a way, um, you know, to get yourself in that conversation as well, which is good for the conference, good for the for the region, and and makes it a whole lot of fun. So, but officially, loss for this year. All right, maybe so next year. The next one, I think, uh, for Gene Taylor, I think this might be number one game for him because the presumed runner-up for the job, Neil Brown, is bringing his West Virginia Mountaineers into Manhattan. First game in what I'm going to call the Gene Taylor Bowl. Uh, does and get a win for his boss? Yes. Hey, hey. We're going to win against Jesus, man. West Virginia. All the 50-50 it's games are picking a record. Win. I know. Hey, I'm loving this. <laughs> well, By the time we get to yeah, it. Yeah, I'm loving it. I'm um, loving it. So, Except for I, if you're saying eight and four, I'm not. I don't think I like how you're predicting the Iowa State game. If I'm doing no, the math, right. well, maybe my math is off. Anyways, um, <laughs> I think you might be on the path to say nine and three. Nine and three. That's good shit, man. I Anywho, love it. All right, West funny? Virginia, we'll Neil Brown. We'll it seems like every game that would be like a fifty-fifty toss-up game where we're like, 
you know, or like we're slightly going to be a slight underdog. It's like there's always a little bit of emotional for me to be like, yeah, we'll win that one. And like kind of the Neil Brown thing. It's like, well, yeah, you know. You can't lose to him. Climate's going to be a little, little ticked off. Gene will be a little extra proud. And, you know, it'll be – and not tick, you know, Climate's not going to be ticked off, but just a little extra something to play for, which is silly because, like, these coaches want to win 100% every game. Um, it's not like any extra motivation is ever needed. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, and, and too, in West Virginia, I, mean, they're, I think they're going to be a bottom – bottom third of the conference type team. So if you can't, if you can't beat them, um, you know, I don't know. I'll be a little disappointed if we lose that game. A couple of these games, if we drop them, you know, it, it, it's all right. But Not I, don't I don't think West Virginia is going to be a very good program this year. So I think they'll struggle. So next up we head to Lubbock, which we've had great success there in the last. The last drive. We've won there. I mean, we beat them like like six straight seasons. Oh, is it really? I I, th- I don't did think Cl- it's six did Kingsbury straight. beat us. I think he beat us once. Yeah, I think, but we beat him like almost. I don't know. I mean, I'm. I'll have to go back. Yeah, we'd have to go back. But Matt Wells is at the helm now, and I was genuinely impressed with Matt Wells at the media day. That doesn't really translate to winning yeah. in a program. But how do you think we will fare down in Lubbock? Another win. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, we are baby. Being, well, I mean, honestly, you look at what we did last year, and I, I mean, I would think if we're heading in the right direction, we're going to be better than we were last year. We beat Oklahoma State last year. We beat Texas Tech last year. So, I mean, there were some of those teams we were able to win last year, and I think we're going to be in a better situation this year than we were last year. So, it's so a, funny, I love man. It. It's so funny. I do the same shit. I, I know. Go, oh, I, I know. It's terrible. I'm like, I mean, I'm, it's to- we're torture It's like, I'm going to be, you know, I'm not going to be biased going through my picks this year. But then it's like, oh, we can win that one. Yeah. <laughs> Every time. I'm yeah, like, well, at least eight wins. It's yeah. just, it never yeah. fails. You can always find eight wins. It never <laughs> fails. Yeah. And then you drop like four of those. <laughs> now you're a four and eight team instead of an eight and four team. But. Well, don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. We finish it off uh, hosting Iowa State. You know, Twitter's most heated rivalry, Farmageddon. Is that a win? Um, originally, I put win. I, I want it to be a win so bad. I think it's, I, I do not think we finish off strong. I think I would. I say it's going to be a pretty good program this year. Nope. Nope. Five and Disagree. seven. Disagree. Five and seven. They're not going. If to we a have bowl eight game. wins by that time, yeah, we're you, going to beat Iowa yeah, State. If we're that good, you can't tell me with nine not? wins on the table, we're not. We're going to lose to them. Come I on. mean, at that point, it's like we are on par, right? I mean, why can't they? Why are they going to come into Manhattan and beat us? I don't know. I just feel like I don't feel good about. We'll put it this way: between that game and West Virginia and Oklahoma State, I think we'll drop one of those three games. That's kind of where we're fair. At. That's so, fair. Okay, yeah, so I, I do think I really, make it another game then. <laughs> no, and yeah. I, no, don't get me wrong. I mean, I hate Baylor's probably my least favorite program in the country. Oh, I agree. Um, and then as much I as don't I don't hate Iowa State like you guys, as do, much as I don't, don't like Twitter, Iowa like State and don't like losing to them, they're genuinely going to be good. I mean, I do no, think oh, yeah. that, but I don't. I mean, no. they're gonna be. Good. I don't think they're going to be good elite. Good for Iowa them. State. Yeah. yeah. Five not, wins, which is eight or nine wins. Five wins is a top 25 season for them. Yeah. So <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I good for Iowa State is not They're not going to be a, the elite team that they think that they are and that they Middle have the been. Up, upper half of the conference. So you're officially saying eight and four. Eight and four. That's Write a, it down. That's the Travis Tannehill stamp. Right I don't there. know exactly where those four will come from, which none of us do, obviously. But I, I know. And, and two, I mean, obviously there's a little bit of fan bias on here but I mean that's not totally unrealistic I mean that's I mean I, I know some of the stuff I don't think the conference is that good outside agreed. of Texas no, and Oklahoma and that's where I'm coming from I mean we got we should pick up two out of three non-conference games and then 
I mean, yeah. Or at least there's no clear cut like yeah, there's you know, no third team. And that team's really good. Yeah, like other than I could see TCU stepping up because. Yeah. TCU or Iowa, I mean, we could have the top four could be, could be solid. Mm-hmm. Well, the way you're playing it out, we're top four. Agreed. I mean. I know. That's what that's, I'm saying. Why not? Why that's not? what why he's saying, baby. Why can't we be third? I don't see any reason why not. Yeah. I, I like the way you're thinking. Yeah. but uh, so We'll see. I'll probably. Yeah. He's got it, that. It might be a dumpster. He lives in here. Manhattan. He's got the water in his system. Oh, it's, yeah. No, I, I don't know what I it believe. is. I love it. So, we end all the show with our uh, – with our guests, you can address the boneheads, tell them whatever you want. Where can they find you on social media? Uh, where could they maybe find you calling a couple games this season? And then uh, just tell K-State fans who are listening anything you want. Well, best probably way, social media, hang out with the boneheads and me. Uh, <laughs> probably on Twitter, at Travis Tannehill, just first name, last name. Um, like you mentioned earlier, ESPN3, possibility for the home opener. still kind of, Or not ESPN3, ESPN Plus now. Um some new contracts came through with ESPN and the Big 12. We're still hashing out a few details on that. So hopefully they let us use some in-state talent and not fly someone in for that game. Um, so hoping me and Smoller will be on that call. And then we've got, I think, four or five KCAC um, NAI football games scheduled throughout the state. And then we'll be on – we'll be around pregame show, radio shows. We'll be uh, we'll be keeping current on the, on the Wildcats. So – yeah, that pregame show is basically friends of the pod. It's you. You're on there. Ian's on there. Reggie's on there sometimes. Oh, yeah. We're still trying to get Brian on. He's out of town right now. He is, yeah. Swaggy B is a friend of the show. So, uh, yeah. everyone, make sure anytime you're not going to a home game, get on ESPN Plus and watch all of our friends talk about the Cats. Yeah. I'll be curious how that ESPN Plus works. I mean, I, I haven't – I don't have too much experience with it. Well, they should just let you guys do your own thing. Yeah, because so – I've come over and watched you guys inside the same. You guys do a great Oh, great yeah. Job. We put – I mean, I put quite a few hours into prep, and Smoller takes it – you know, that's – you know, me and Ian and Reggie have day jobs, but that's Brian's job is – you know, he's a full-time media guy, so he gets to really – you know, he's the he's – the, He's able to shine. Yeah, and he, you know, he organizes it and he does all the grunt work. We just get to say our opinions. So it's really, he he makes it pretty easy for us actually. So which yeah, shout out to Brian. He's just the best. Smaller's the man. He, Beautiful I mean, man. He is a sexy bald. We love Brian. Sexy, I mean, shoot, if I had that waistline. <laughs> him and Grant. <laughs> yeah, skinny boys. Uh, uh, I'm a skinny boys. But, just naturally, you know. Yeah. No, so I'll, I'll be curious, you know, and Smaller's been doing a ton with this new ESPN contract, so um we'll be I'll be curious to see how all that hard work over the off season plays out and and for, you know for the fan experience that's what they're always trying to what's you know that's why they we went to the drawing table again with ESPN how can we make this fan experience better for the people who are at home and not at the stadium so well what you need be. to do is give Bosco's voice 30 minutes before you guys go on that's what you need to do <laughs> a liquored Shit. up Grant and Scott talk to Smoller yeah. <laughs> all right that's it's, above my pay grade Br- Brian we're gonna be hitting you guys up we're uh, instead of an hour-long show you guys have adding 30 minutes on the front yeah. end and Grant and I will get on TV Great. I like it. I'm ready. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all we have. Uh, Travis, thank you for coming Appreciate on. Appreciate it, guys. We love you guys. Love all the boneheads. And uh, let's keep rocking. Eight and four, baby. Go Cats. Meet me at the Cathead. I was sitting there. Selling turnips on a flatbed truck Crunching on a pork rind when she pulled up She had to be thinking this is where it next come from
son's plate She was lost in looking for the interstate Needing directions And I was a man for the job I told her way up yonder past the caution light There's a little country store with an old coke sign You gotta stop in and ask Miss Belle For some of her sweet tea Back here to me I was sitting there Thinking about her pretty face Kicking myself for not catching her name I threw my hat and thought you fool You could have been loved I knew my old four couldn't run her down She probably didn't like me anyhow I watched her disappear into a cloud of dust I told her way up yonder past the caution light There's a little country store with an old coat side You gotta stop in and ask Miss Bell for some of her sweet tea Then a left will take you to the interstate But a right Bring you right back here to me Yes, it's Georgia heat Playing tricks on me Or am I really seeing What I think I see The woman of my dreams Coming back to me Network.